Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Tom Murphy joining us on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. Tom, how are you? Man, I'm doing great. It sounds like you guys covered a lot of the territory we might end up talking about. So I'm ready, man. Ready, okay. ready to go. Can you confirm or deny my theory that uh, Eric Musselman did not speak to the media and had Gus Arginal do it because he is raspy voice because he yelled at the officials all day the other day? Yeah, and Gus also apologized for being raspy voice. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But it's, it's a potential. You know, uh, Cal does this a lot at UK, um, gives the assistant coaches opportunities. And it hasn't happened as much with, uh, uh, with Musk. But I know we've had Keith Smart a time or two, and, and now Gus, so this is good. Um, and, yeah, what a challenge they have. One of the toughest tasks, I think, in the, uh, in the entirety of, of this year's challenge. I mean, Texas um, going to Tennessee, that's a tough one for the Longhorns. But this is a good one for Arkansas. It would be a huge feather in their cap if they can get a road win here. You know, back in the day, Tom, and I printed off the list of games this weekend. Obviously, there are a couple of SEC teams not participating. A&M, unfortunately, does not have a Big 12 matchup. They're playing Vanderbilt this weekend because they have been representing in a big way the SEC. Um, but you also have Georgia, South Carolina, and it's good that South Carolina is not representing the SEC. <laughs> but it was funny back in the day, and this is like a tradition. It seems like we are always at the Big Buck Classic on Big 12 SEC matchup weekend, and but yeah. Pat was doing the show. be like, all right, Pat, here's what we got. Let's see here. Uh, we got South Carolina against number one Kansas. South Carolina. Win. All right, Pat. All right, cool. All right, uh, Pat, um, let's see here. Uh, we got a two-win uh, uh, SEC team against a, a Big 12 team that's in the top five and hasn't lost a game. SEC. Now, Pat, come on. You're not being reasonable. So we're going to go through these games here in a little bit, but anyway. Uh, what, let's talk about the Arkansas-Baylor matchup. Obviously, Tom, this is one where Pat would pick them to win by 15, but – it is a tall order to go on the road and win at Baylor, even if you got a good team. And Arkansas certainly does. What do you see as keys to the game, other than defending the three-point line, like uh, Gus Arginal mentioned? I think being very athletic on the boards, because Baylor will crash dudes to the boards, and Baylor's a very good shooting team, and they go to the board. So uh, if you get the defensive rebound, you got to make a pay. Um, and so I, I think Arkansas will try to push the tempo, um, try to beat Baylor down the court, um, which – you know, it's easier said than done, but they've got three great shooting guards, uh, Baylor does, in um, Keontae George, Adam Flagler, L.J. Cryer. All three shoot the three-pointer very well. The lowest of those is 35.6% from George. Uh, they're the three highest-volume three-point shooters for them. Uh, and then the West Virginia transfer, Jalen Bridges, he's a solid player, too, uh, shooting um, 50, 51% from the field. So. Uh, there's a lot of challenges for Arkansas, but I think A, uh, beat them on the board, and then B, get down the floor and um, uh, try to try to run as much flow offense as you can, as opposed to the half court offense. How, although I will say, their half court offense has picked up in recent games. Uh, you know, with Devo shooting has been a key part of that. And then I think Council, after the two point outing he had, I think. Um, it was incumbent on him, and it was made clear, in addition to what you try to create you for yourself, you've got to set teammates up. And you can see he had passing on his mind in that last game. And so uh, I feel better about the way Arkansas is conducting half-court offense, uh, but I think it's going to have to be even sharper, and their rebounding has got to be really good in this game. 
It was good to see. Ricky's uh, struggled a little bit offensively the last couple of games, but to have seven assists, that shows that, A, he recognized a little bit of the struggle, and, B, he started looking for his teammates a little bit more. I've noticed the coaches talking to him in the huddle about that. Uh, suppose it looked like they were pointing out some of his teammates were open. Uh, that was that was good for Ricky to have seven assists. Devo Davis, last five games have been outstanding, Tom. What's the difference you've seen in Devo offensively? Well, it's just that his, his jumper's going down. I, I don't think he's quick with the trigger. I think he's getting himself in a little bit better position. That 14-foot range looks pretty good for him. And I know he's made some threes. Uh, 10 but of he 20. Was, he was not – yeah, his, his three-point shooting, the first whatever game, 16 or whatever, 14 games of the season, just wasn't very good. But uh, he's been more selective in the last couple, and his percentage has gone up. So, yeah, that's a really big deal for them. And – I, I just think they're still trying to get their own pulse on what's, what are their best options, how do we create shots for our teammates and things like that. And I think Council got the message because he didn't play um, after the first segment of the second half against Ole Miss. And, you know, you know, they're winning by a handy margin. And he forces a couple things. And he doesn't go back in the game. And so I think he was uh, re- refocused um, in the last game. Tom, what happens when Nick Smith comes back? We're working off the presumption that maybe a week and a half away that he could be back. Mm-hmm. Who do you see going to the bench? How do you see the minutes changing? Yeah, well, I think, you know, we've seen some sporadic minutes from uh, Joseph Pinion, from Dunning, and from Ford. Well, maybe we, we just won't see as much of those, although there's been moments, you know, Ford's uh, given them some good minutes here and there, very spotty, but Pinion, you know, the first two wins they had in conference, he scored 13 points in both of those games. Now, his three-pointer wasn't on in the last game, and if that's the case, then you're probably losing a little bit on defense. So if his three-pointer's on, his minutes will still be there, I think. Uh, but Smith will take away some minutes from those guys. Uh, it, it will allow you to rest Devo a little more. He played 40 in the last game. Um, it, it would just be good all around uh, to, to, for your guard rotation. And then I think uh, you're better in the half court because he's, he's a lot better at creating his own shots than some of the other guys, although we've seen Council do it some and Devo as well. But, um, and then they would have to, once again, get, get a pulse, um, a feel for their own offensive pulse with Nick Smith back in the game. And it would be another transition period. But I think if he comes back and he's healthy and he can go the rest of the year, that they'll find their footing and uh, should be able to close conference on a pretty strong note. Tom, I thought about you this morning. They were talking about the uh, 40. No. They were talking about the uh, new Super Bowl 51, Patriots, Falcons. Uh, who, uh, do you, who do you consider losing that game? But Because Dan Quinn is back in the news. He's staying with the Cowboys. He was the head coach at the time, but it was Kyle Shanahan yeah. that was the offensive coordinator who's playing to get back to the Super Bowl this weekend. But it seems like Shanahan gets all the criticism, not Quinn, because, but even though Quinn was the head coach, Shanahan's the offensive yeah. coordinator. As a Falcons fan, who's, who do you look at and go, man, you blew that Super Bowl for us? I don't know if I just put it on one. I mean, obviously all the calls have to go, you know, Quinn has to give a stamp of approval. But I'm, I'm assuming that Shanahan had a ton of latitude. And look, it was their aggressive offense that got them the lead. Uh, but when they were leading in the second half, after they scored a touchdown, I think, on their first possession – to go up 28-3, to um, I think New England got back in the game because we threw a pick, 
uh, or yeah, yeah, I think Ryan got pressured, and I think Trey Flowers are right in the middle of it, and mm-hmm. throw a pick, and they have a short field, and they they get back in the game. Uh, but honestly, the game came down to when Julio caught a, a third down pass, and the ball was on the twenty something yard line, and there's three minutes left in the game, and you're up by sixteen, I think. Eight. Uh, you're up or eight. no, I think field goal makes it eight. a two possession game. Yeah, you're up by eight, so we're in field goal range, and then we get a sack uh, or a penalty, yeah, Both. sack, and then a holding call, and we're out of field goal range. If we had just run the ball right there, three plays in a row, you know, no more first downs, but we're not losing yardage, to kick a field goal, we win the game. And yet we pass, and so that one play, um, you know, led to the loss right there. You, you see what's happening here, Tom, is, is, is Wes is hurting from last week, and he wants to drag you into his personal hell. Please, come on in. The weather's fine. It's a little warm. You'll be okay. As long as we're on painful subjects, how do you feel about Andrew Jones not getting in the Hall of Fame? Well, he, he had an off-the-field thing happen, which wasn't good, which probably cost him in the minds of some voters. But if I'm reading this right, guys who were on his trajectory who increased that much percentage year to year, are likely to get in. And I, I think just on his defense alone, he could. Now, he did have a precipitous drop-off at a certain stage, um, kind of like Dale Murphy did. But I think Murphy and Andrew Jones both deserve to be in the hall. If, look, if Scott Rowland is in there, both of those guys deserve to be in. That's the argument. Scott yeah. Rowland shouldn't be in. <laughs> That's another argument. All right, Tom, I appreciate you. I'm sorry Wes brought that up. Uh, we'll talk about some painful things related to the uh, – let's see, what else we got? Falcons, the Hawks, I don't know, whatever other Atlanta sports meltdowns we've had over the years. But uh, we'll let you go for now. Have a, have a good weekend, my no, friend. No, man, I can, li- I can live with it, guys. I always enjoy being with you. And, you know, it's, it's, you, you can never forget it. Um, yeah. And it's, I don't know if any team will suffer as painful a Super Bowl loss. Um, I've made my peace with it. It, yeah. it hurts a little, but, man, it happened. And you can't change nope. it. And, I, and I'm, I'm ill about it. Now, you'll never forget it, Tom. You know why? Because guys like Wes keep bringing it up to you. Thank you very much, Wes. And with friends like Later, these, guys. See ya. who needs wood chippers? Great, great Thanks, weekend. buddy.